Max said it was Psalm 85 because that's what you're going to get, Psalm 85. I was a bit worried though because I thought this was a hard act to follow after our lovely African Dave's soulful worship to the Lord. But then I thought, well, we've got one of the greatest songwriters of all coming up in Psalm 85 and that's another David. So you're blessed to have a great name. Psalm 85. No, Psalm 84. No, it's Psalm 85. I got it wrong. You showed favor to your land, O Lord. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, O God, our Savior, and put away your displeasure towards us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what the Lord will say. He promises peace to his people, his saints, and let them not return to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, Greetings to you this day. I wonder how you are. I hope, indeed, that uh, everyone here is well. Uh, But I'm sure, like me, you sort of wonder, uh, can you really believe it? We've had this big lead-up to Christmas, and here we are. Uh, It's three days later. And just in case you woke up a little hazy, today is the 28th of December. At least I think it is. Um, And, of course, some of us will be pleased about that. And you're thinking to yourself, um, we made it. And I'm wondering uh, what are the things maybe you're glad about this day. Uh, Some things that came to my mind, thinking of us all, by the way, not just myself, but that there were no shopping trolley collisions, uh, or worse still, no shopping car park collisions, no unsophisticated Santas making outrageous promises to your children. Uh, You didn't forget to buy the ham. The Christmas carols have stopped replaying in your ears. Uh, There are those Christmas buskers that you won't see again for another 12 months. And the children didn't ask any embarrassing questions in front of guests. And at the family gathering, you were glad because you did buy the gifts people wanted, or at least they acted pleased. Um, And you hope they meant it. Last Sunday, David Fell gave us an animated display of an insincere, happy I got that gift uh, response, making it easy to spot. And to top it off, I hope you received the particular gift that you asked for. And maybe this year's bonbon jokes were almost acceptable. Well, you may be glad that there are only three more days until New Year's Eve and you're thinking, I might just get enough sleep for my next social engagement. But I do hope as we reflect on Christmas that was for 2014, 
the celebrations, the family gathering and the festivities as we celebrated the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I do hope that Christmas has been memorable and a joy-filled time for you. We know, don't we, that it can be hard work and we know that it's not a joy for everybody. There are seasons of joy and seasons that aren't so joyful at Christmas. In the lead-up to Christmas, many of us, maybe most of us, have been working hard to deadlines or we may have been hosting numbers of people and had big preparations that have been demanding and now we can breathe a little more easily. However, as a community, uh, we've been preparing for many weeks, especially our retailers and we probably remember Joe Hockey's pre-Christmas request to us all, go and and buy up uh, for Christmas as if generally we needed any encouragement. But that gave us a great let-off. And by spending up, we thought, well, maybe we're even helping the Australian economy. Well, I do hope Joe is breathing a little more easily at the moment, and I'm sure with the current splurge at the shops, uh, he certainly is. Christmas is anticipated a long way out, and the hints of Christmas begin appearing earlier, it seems, than necessary and earlier than we would like it to be. The Christmas decorations and the Christmas cards, the Christmas cakes, the advertising to buy gifts, and so it goes on. And here at St Matthew's, we've been speaking about Christmas early on as well, so that we can prepare for all that we do on Christmas Eve here and the Christmas gifts and hampers that we distribute to bring some Christmas cheer. God, on the other hand, prepared for that first Christmas a very very long way out and it's an extraordinary truth that God had Christmas in his mind from the very beginning of creation and obviously long before that in fact from all eternity and so we ask why was Christmas in God's mind as aeon in aeons before it occurred and as Scott has said we commence a series at St Matthew's today in the Psalms and we've titled it Songs for the Soul Songs that come from the depth of our being, expressions of the heart of man. And I think that for us today, that the Psalms are given really to us as a gift to connect us with our experiences of life, giving us the opportunity to take words written years ago in the midst of life and its rawness and honesty at the edge of our humanness and its sometimes conflicting and confusing emotions and enable us to come to God in fresh ways in the present, to connect with him maybe in moments of deep joy or thanksgiving, maybe in appreciation or sadness, loneliness, guilt, fear, uncertainty, whatever. And the Psalms give us expression sometimes of what is the inexpressible. And today we're looking at that Psalm read by Pam, a Psalm often chosen to be read at Christmas. And we're going to consider the psalm in regard to our relationship with God and the emotion of love. That is God's love for us. And I've chosen in speaking today from Psalm 85 to say little of the psalm's context, just that it was written at a time in Israel's history when revival and restoration of the people was vital. The psalmist could see the only, that only God in his deep love for Israel could bring about the revival that was needed, a revival both personal and communal. At the time, Israel was sensing its oppression, 
life was sobering and difficult and there was a need for perspective. Their behaviour had actually roused God's anger. Their behaviour was displeasing to God for he indeed is purer of purer eyes than to behold evil. And our behaviour too can rouse God's anger. That's something we do not wish to contemplate or to admit to, but the disquiet that we have sometimes in our souls um, says it all. We sense that things just are not right. And as we admit to God what is really going on, it has that potential to lead us into a place of freedom and joy in his presence. So seeing we are three days now on the other side of Christmas 2014, recovering from all the preparations and the festivities, I'm not suggesting that we've overdone it, by the way, Uh, yet let's take this opportunity to reflect uh, on our lives in the manner of this psalm. We know, don't we, that as the psalm suggests, and you may want to open it, I didn't suggest that earlier on, but you may want to open it up in front of you, that there is a need for forgiveness of sin for ourselves, both personally and communally, in our relationship to God. There is a need for revival and restoration. And further, just like the difficult days for Israel, we too are in the midst of difficult days, difficult but different days. Even beyond the recent troubled days of our city, for in 2014, there have been horrific evil days and they've impacted us all. And the psalm assures us that God, through his great love, would restore us and revive us. And here is a word spoken a long way out from where we are, yet always in the heart and mind of God, was with us in view, with indeed this moment in view, with Christmas in view. Now let's explore some of the facets of the psalm in the light of the moment. Let's explore the, the cry of the psalmist and the deep, compassionate love of God in the midst of our own lives today, in the midst of the realities of 2014. As we look back now on celebrating the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and look forward now to the ushering in the new year, and of course always looking beyond even to Jesus' ultimate return and the hope of all mankind, so the psalmist commences, You, O Lord. He senses the reality that the Lord is near and we get the sense of the immediacy of that relationship that he has. And he calls upon past experiences of God's favour. He calls upon the reality of his forgiveness, his covering of sin. And in verse 3, the setting aside of his wrath and anger. And there's a lot happening here and in it we sense that there is also a vitality and, and, and the opportunity for life. And we're put immediately in touch with the psalmist's personal relationship with God and a broader relationship of God with a people. And the psalmist says to God, I I know what you've done in the past. I know how you relate to your people. And now I come to you. And we listen to his cry, verses 4 and 6. Restore us again, God our Saviour. For he's deeply aware of God's displeasure and anger. Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? And I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of 
restoration and revival. I know for myself, I immediately thought of um, being asked to go for a little drive in a friend's um, restored Citroen. And when he sort of pulled up and said, you know, I'll take you home at that time it was, it was just gleaming. It was just as if it had come out of, of the manufacturer's store, as it were, the manufacturer's factory. And it was just gleaming all over. There was not a mark on it that, that would suggest anything other than the fact that it was there in its former glory. All the upholstery, beautifully polished and just, just wonderfully preserved. And I think when we think of um, restoration, we tend to think in terms of cars and houses and boats and furniture maybe. Restored to its former glory as it was meant to be. Us, restored to our former glory as it was meant to be in a right relationship with our God. The original design of its maker becoming apparent once again. But I think in terms of revival, we think more of, of that sort of sense of maybe even going for a swim and being revived and refreshed and renewed and re-energised. And when we put all that in terms of relationship to God, it's a relationship as it was meant to be, a right relationship, a harmonious relationship with a deep desire for God himself. And I quote from an author writing on the dynamics of spiritual life. True spirituality is not a superhuman religiosity. It is simply true humanity released from bondage to sin and renewed by the Holy Spirit. I think when we think about our world, we would love our world, wouldn't we, to turn back to God. We would love there to be a restored relationship, a revival of all humanity towards the living God worldwide. But it will start with us personally and in communities as we are renewed by the Holy Spirit that we might rejoice in God. And the cry of the psalmist could well be the cry of the moment in the midst of the recent troubled days. Is that what you want? Is that what's really eager in your heart? Does that express your heart's desire? The cry of Christmas and the answer of Christmas. For we've just celebrated and reflected on those words of the angel that heralded Jesus' birth. Don't be afraid. I bring you news of great joy. That will be for all people. A saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So I think that the psalmist here is saying, in a sense, as we reflect on it now, look no further, he's here. The one who is love itself, the one who restores and revives. And the Apostle John would say of Jesus after his resurrection and ascension, he is the one who was from the beginning. We've seen him with our eyes. We've looked at him. Our hands have touched him. And we proclaim him to you, the word of life. Here is your joy. And aren't we more conscious than ever that God's intervention is crucial to both our well-being as a nation and on the world stage globally? We look to our national leaders. We get anxious and, and revitalized, I think, by gatherings of our world leaders, such as the G20 and the United Nations and particularly the Millennium Summit of 2000, which was the largest gathering of world leaders. And we know they can make an extraordinary difference, and we hope 
and we pray for that. But only God can deliver us. And here it is, the centrepiece, I believe, of the psalm in verse 7. Show us your unfailing love, O God, our Saviour, and grant us your salvation. As an Advent Advent book puts it in a modern way, wow us, Lord, wow us by your uncontainable, unending, unconditional, unbeatable, unfailing, unwrappable love. And I think if we can just tap into the reality of that love of God for us and for all mankind, this extraordinary love of God in all its dimensions. For it is out of this love that revival and restoration spring that we might rejoice in God. And as we we look back at the psalm, we sense the psalm as well as being real in its context, was also looking forward to usher in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here indeed. In him is unfailing love. What was promised here, a saviour who is Christ the Lord, an unfailing love which reaches right into our present generation, bringing salvation and revival and restoration. And the psalm continues in verses 10 and 11. Love and faithfulness meet together. These divine attributes of love and faithfulness, meeting together like welcome, knowing friends. And as love and faithfulness meet, so righteousness and peace kiss each other. I'm going to take the liberty of calling this the kiss of Christmas. There are lots of kisses at Christmas. I think we're a bit freer with our kisses, and I mean that in the best possible way. Um, But such kisses mark our shared joy, I think, and our appreciation of our shared humanity. However, when you look at the Old Testament scriptures... The kiss seems to be reserved and spoken of only on occasions when two people meet in some poignant moment. So here in our psalm, stay with me, as love and faithfulness meet, so there is a kiss of righteousness and peace. It is a poignant moment and could be taken prophetically as a majestic kiss, I suggest, heralding that unfathomable mystery of the Incarnation. And God, having prepared this moment from eternity, now brings it to pass. And what is so momentous about this humble birth is that deity and humanity come together to bring about the salvation of mankind. The righteousness of God embracing mankind to bring about peace between God and man. No wonder, is it, that a great heavenly host accompanied the angelic exclamation, peace on earth, goodwill to all. For in Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He leaves this earth and proclaims peace to his disciples, a peace, he says, that the world cannot give. And through the cross he brings peace to mankind who turn to God and peace is given to all who cast their burden upon him in prayer, a peace that he says which is beyond understanding. Righteousness and peace. Kiss each other. It is a blessed connection. Then the psalmist concludes, Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good and our land will yield its harvest. And here are words of hope. 
Can you see it? It's as if that light that enlightens every man shines its rays. Here, righteousness leads the way and marks the course of God's engagement in his people's behalf and righteousness is God's perfect faithfulness to all his covenant commitments and faithfulness. Well, I don't know about you, but the picture that comes to my mind at this point is that promise of the shoot of the stump of Jesse in Isaiah chapter 11. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. So friends, here is a meeting of heaven and earth, deity and humanity, love and faithfulness, righteousness and peace. And I think indeed heaven and nature does sing. And so righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. God sent John John to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. God acting in love. God doing all that he can do for us in his great plan those aeons ago. And you think with me, if this is how God will accomplish his answer to all the cries of the human heart, if there is nothing more that he can do, if this is the greatest move in the history of all mankind, then we better ask, what is he doing? What is he doing that he can bring about in Jesus that nothing else in all creation is able to accomplish? That no other man and no other means is able to accomplish. In verse 9 we read, Salvation is near those who fear him. Did you miss that at Christmas? Or do you recognise afresh that that salvation is near? That salvation is for you and for me in the Lord Jesus Christ, that his glory may dwell in our land. And there is indeed glory in the one who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Friends, look no further than Christ to restore you and revive you, to restore and revive your family, to restore and revive our communities, to restore and revive our world, our nation and our world. Reflect on the incarnation. Examine the life of Christ in the gospel stories and see that here is God's answer to the cry of your heart. Your heart longs for things to be put right. Your heart longs for peace. It's found here in Christ. Your heart longs for life to make sense. Your heart longs for the faithfulness and the righteousness that is only found in Christ. Your heart longs for a life of meaning. It's here in Christ. The love of God in Christ is the place of God's righteousness and faithfulness and where peace are found. In a world that is barren of them, yet thirsty for them, 
reeling from the barbarism of recent months, frustration, frustrated and sickened by so much in 2014. He's here in Christ. The reality of Christ is found in the whole of his life, culminating in his death and resurrection. But recognising now Jesus is alive, active in the world, engaged in all the affairs of life through the Holy Spirit, who reveals Jesus to us and presences him among us today. Friends, Jesus is a present reality through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want to suggest to you that there's a secret in this psalm. There's a secret, and it comes in verse 8. And here it is. I will listen to what God the Lord says. It's as simple as that. There's the secret. I will listen to what God the Lord says. It's a clear decision, and it's a decision that I implore you to make today. I will listen to him who is Saviour God, who shows his favour, and through his unfailing love brings restoration and revival that we might rejoice in him again. Friend, salvation is near. It is not far from each one of us. In him we live and move and have our very being. And the psalm invites us to ask, do I see God in all his glory? Do I feel him in his unfailing love? Do I know him as saviour? Am I profoundly lost, as the hymn says it, lost in wonder, love and praise? And the psalm invites us to seek his face afresh. For here indeed is the one who is able to restore and revive you and me and the whole world. And his steps then become the pathway for us to follow as we journey into 2015. We do not walk that path alone, but the promised one, Jesus, walks with us. So let us remain in his love that we might rejoice in him again. Let's pray. O oh God, our Saviour, great is your love towards us. You indeed have delivered us and we come to you today. Restore us, revive us afresh. Thank you for the good things that you give us. May we desire to listen to you. We ask you to speak into our lives. Help us to hear your voice and abide in your love. May we rejoice in you and may your glory fill the whole earth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.